Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, welcoming you to our Chosen People radio program today, and I hope that you're enjoying it. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter, who I always call Bobby, and Bobby heads up our Brooklyn branch of Chosen People Ministries, and he's our New York Regional Director, and it's wonderful to have Bobby here. He's a great Bible teacher, a great Bible student, and it's wonderful to have his support in this program. Thank you, Bobby, for bringing so much to the table. Yeah, well, you're welcome, Mitch. It's really just a pleasure to be with you this weekend. Mitch, as you know, I mean, over the past few weeks, we've been talking quite a bit about these two very important holidays that are observed in December, one by the Jewish community and one by the Christian community. Well, it's pretty easy to uh, summarize it. You know, you can summarize all Jewish holidays in just three points. They tried to kill us, we defeated them, so we ate. And, (laughs) you know, which is why Christmas is definitely a Jewish holiday, as well as Hanukkah. Although we see a lot of Christmas trees uh, topped with Jewish stars and Hanukkah bushes, nice blue and white bushes with lights, there is actually a real issue in a lot of homes because we're up to over 50% intermarriage in the Jewish community. Mm. And so for the sake of the children, the holidays need to be figured out. It's a a big deal. It's why a Messianic congregation like the one you lead in Brooklyn is so critical for Jewish people because that's where sort of the Christian person and the Jewish person come to peace because Jesus is at the center of it. So joining a Messianic congregation or being part of that kind of ministry is really great for the children. And I found over the years that there's rarely a recognition that at its root, Hanukkah finds its ultimate fulfillment in Yeshua the Messiah. And the light of the world in Christmas is really a Jewish holiday. I just I just don't know many evangelical churches that kind of get that, but it, it feels so natural to me because he is the light of the world, and there are so many great themes together. But for me, the the real theme that unites Christmas and Hanukkah really goes all the way back to God's covenant with Abraham, where he said in Genesis 12, 3, I'll bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's always been God's intention to bless the world through the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. The Jewish people were not chosen for the sake of the Jewish people, the Jewish people were chosen for the sake of the world. Right. And so it's through the Jewish people that we have the scriptures, through the Jewish people, uh, the Messiah came physically. And so as God has preserved the Jewish people, sometimes with the help of Gentile Christians praying and fighting against anti-Semitism and taking up the cause of the Jewish people, showing that love, but truly because God preserved the Jewish people and didn't allow Antiochus Epiphanes to destroy the Jewish people and turn them all into pagan Greeks. But we know that Jesus is Jewish, and Antiochus Epiphanes did not have his way. And so Jesus was born of a Jewish virgin as promised. He was born in Bethlehem as promised, and he was raised in a Jewish home as promised. And so all of these things came true. So the truth of it all is, if it wasn't for Hanukkah, there'd be no Christmas. (laughs) And really, it comes down to that, doesn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I think we could even step back a bit further with this because the events obviously surrounding Hanukkah set the stage and made it possible, you know, made it possible for there to be a, a Jewish presence in Israel where the Messiah would be born at just the perfect time in history. Yes. But this was all fulfillment. The events of Hanukkah were used by God to set the stage for the birth of the Messiah, yes, but it was all in fulfillment of what had been part of God's plan from the start. So, Mitch, I think it's fair to say that Christmas begins and, and the story of Christmas begins even back in Genesis. Yes, absolutely. And you know, God could never allow the Jewish people to be destroyed any more than he could have allowed Abraham to plunge the knife into Isaac and kill his only beloved son. Mm. Because all of the Abrahamic promises were resident in Isaac. And if Isaac was killed, then what would have happened to other promises? And so it's very important to understand that God is behind all this. And as you look at history and you see the coming of the Messiah and even the holiday of Hanukkah and the way God preserved the people. And as you look throughout all of these events, you understand that God is working out his promises and his covenants in history. And there's one passage where I think it kind of all begins. Now, of course, you can trace it all back to creation. It all, <laughs> it all begins with creation, right? right. So, but in Genesis 3.15, we have what's known as the Proto-Evangelium, Latin for it's the first mention of the good news. It's mm -hmm. it's the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. It's a little cryptic, but it it takes place after the sin of Adam and Eve. Right. And there's a word given by God in Genesis three fifteen, and uh, I'd like to read it. So the Lord said to the serpent, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring." He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, if you've ever played football like I did as a kid, you know that a bruised heel is really, really painful. But if you've also grown up like I did in New York City, going up to the Catskill Mountains during the summer in order to uh, get away from the city, and uh, one of the things we boys love to do is kill snakes. And so... You learn very quickly at a very young age that the only way to kill a snake is to cut off his head or to crush his head. But of course, in the Old Testament, we're talking about more vicious snakes than garter snakes. And so if you decided to step on a snake in order to destroy it and to kill it, you might get bit on the heel in the process. So for the snake, it was fatal. For the person, it was not fatal, but it was really painful. It's interesting that even in the Gospel of John, uh, this prophecy is picked up as a messianic prophecy as fulfilled in the death of Jesus. Jesus died, but it wasn't fatal. Now, how in the world can that be? Hmm. He died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. As predicted in Isaiah chapter 53, instead of staying dead, he rose from the dead. He crushed death, and it was through his death and resurrection, we can't forget it, through his death and resurrection that we are saved. And so this is an incredible prophecy. So again, we have to say, like we did last week, the Messiah was born to die. The Son of God was born to die. But he would never remain dead. He would crush death. He would die in atoning death. He would rise in glory, in victory, in power. And one day he will return to reign as king. 
But there's no doubt that on the way to the throne and to ascend to the throne of David, he had to first die. And so we're grateful for all these wonderful truths of Scripture helping us understand that we have a great day coming because that first dismal, dreary, difficult day when the Messiah died actually took place, but it was offset by the joy of resurrection, and it will be completely glorious in the day that he returns. You know, Mitch, you're right. Genesis 3.15, in in so many ways, it's like the first note in a song that just plays throughout the rest of the scripture, painting this this beautiful picture of this Savior who's going to come, and that through his death and through his uh, resurrection, the world is going to be fixed. The sin problem is going to be taken care of. And as that song continues to play and more notes continue to, to chime in, one that really stands out that I think is important for us at this season is Genesis 49.10, which says this, Moses is writing, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now, even the rabbis of old recognized that the name Shiloh was a reference to the Messiah and to this Redeemer of Genesis 3.15 that has been promised to Israel and the nations. And these promises shaped the expectations of the Jewish people so that when the Messiah did come, he would be recognized by the people. Uh, And another one of these really important passages that I think is special for us today is Micah 5.2. It says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So, more information is given about this king, about this savior, about this redeemer of Israel and the nations, specifically where he will be born, but also we see that he'll be a king, and we'll see that he'll be divine, he'll be eternal. His his goings forth are from the days of eternity, from long ago. And really, this, these passages, this, this song plays one name, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And I think it's also significant as we look at what's going on around Christmas. Again, looking at the birth of the Messiah in Luke chapter 2, as, as he's brought to the temple and Simeon meets Miriam and Joseph there in the temple and, and puts his eyes upon this, this baby, this, uh, this redeemer, this savior that Israel had been longing for for thousands of years by that point. He said this, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the nations, and the glory of your people, Israel. This is the Messiah. This is the King. This is the one that we celebrate at this season. So Mitch, I think you'll agree, there is no one else like Yeshua, no one else like Jesus, our Messiah. Absolutely, Bobby. Uh, He is one of a kind. He's the only one. And he's the one through whom we find life, peace, joy, forgiveness, and all the good things that actually you can never buy in a mall. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, and so all that we really, really need is found in him. Uh, you know, a, a nice shirt or a pair of shoes doesn't hurt once in a while. Uh, but all we really need is found in him. And I pray and hope that he will be the reason for the season for all of us and that we will continue to lift his name up. To help us with that, we're going to now turn to a great Advent lesson. This is actually part of our series. It's number five, and it's entitled, The Greatest Love of All. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. What do you think of when you think of love? Perhaps you think of Valentine's Day, or the love of courtship and marriage, or the love of friendship, or the love of one's country. You may also think of the love that you have for your children, or the love that you received from your parents as a child. The relationship that we have with our parents can often be fraught with anxiety, hardship, but beneath everything, we all have a desire to be loved and to be accepted by the people who brought us into the world. In Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8, we see the loving, parental heart of God the Father. The context of this messianic psalm is the coronation of a king, but not just any king, the King Messiah. The psalm states that the nations of the earth rage against the rule of the Lord and this anointed king. In response, the Lord laughs at them and promises that his son, this messianic king, will rule over them, and that his rule will extend to the very ends of the earth. Another interesting thing that stands out in this psalm is the Hebrew phrase, Ani hayom yelitecha, which is translated, today I have begotten you. The verb yalad means to bear, to bring forth, or to beget. The most common use of this verb is in the case of a mother giving birth to a child. In this case, it is used figuratively to emphasize the speaker formally installing the king into his theocratic rights, which is consistent with the coronation tone of the entire passage. However, the significance is not lost. The king's inauguration is formal, but there is also this warmth between a parent and a child. The prophecy that the messianic king would be God's son finds its fulfillment in our savior, Yeshua. The Jewish gospel writer Matthew, he wrote concerning Yeshua's baptism, says this, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Parallel texts can be found in Luke chapter 3 and in Mark chapter 1 and the well-known verse in John 3.16, which all place a special emphasis on the cherished place of Jesus in the eyes of the Father. He is not just a beloved son, but he's the only begotten son, indicated by the Greek word menogene. Menogene means unique, or the only, or the one and only. Throughout the New Testament, this word is used to indicate the only children of various people such as the son of the widow in Luke chapter 7, verse 12, or Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. 
In these instances, we see the tenderness of parents toward their children, who are their only ones. So what can we learn from this? Well, we see that there is no one else like Jesus. He is the only one of His kind. He is, as John 1.14 says, the only begotten from the Father. He is fully God and fully man, God with us, God in the flesh. So circling back to Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, some Jewish commentators, like the late medieval Jewish commentator Rashi, claim that this son refers to King David. But the nature of messianic prophecy is that every prophecy regarding a Judean king could also refer to the Messiah and oftentimes refers to both a natural Davidic king, but also to the future Messiah who comes from Davidic lineage as a complete fulfillment. So as we look ahead to Christmas, may we remember and reflect on the glorious truths of God's triune nature and the fact that God the Father sent His Son, the Messiah, His only begotten Son, the second person of the Trinity. He sent Him to come to this earth, to be born of a woman, to save us from our sins, the ultimate demonstration of love. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed these brief studies on Hanukkah and Christmas. And we also hope that they've blessed you and encouraged you to reach out and share the gospel with someone who needs to know the greatest love of all. Bobby, I really pray our listeners will have the opportunity to share some of these prophecies with their Jewish friends, co-workers who need to know about the Messiah, Yeshua. And it's also a good time to say we're so grateful to the Jewish people because through the Jewish people, we receive our Bible, our Messiah, and uh, we're just so very grateful for, for you. That's kind of a straightforward statement about a, a loving statement. You know, love always works. I trained so many people in Jewish evangelism, but if people just love because you love Jesus and you love the Jewish people and just show that love, that always works and it leads you to just a really powerful testimony. It also goes back to Romans 11.11, where the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans and said that they did not stumble so as to fall did they, about the Jewish people, may it never be. But by their transgression, the national rejection of Jesus at his first coming, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. And I think it's, it's when a Gentile Christian loves Jewish people and shows that love, and it's sincere and genuine, which I know it will be, then it's really powerful. And that's the way God designed this whole thing to work that Gentiles were to make Jewish people jealous. But if you can just show that love in tangible ways to Jewish people, that's really at the heart, I think, of what Paul meant by making Jewish people jealous. It's not the great argumentation or the fact that you know Hebrew or know every Bible verse and every Messianic prophecy. It's really good to know all that stuff. It really is. But when you just genuinely show the life that you have in Jesus, the Messiah, um, then you're making Jewish people jealous. And it's a great time to do that because people have the holidays on their brain and uh, they're thinking about it. And I think that uh, if you take this opportunity to make some Jewish people part of your, of your family, you know, just 
bring them into your home and show them hospitality and love. And that is one way to make Jewish people jealous. And it's just such a sincere and authentic way to do it that I, I think it would be a blessing, of course, to your Jewish friends, but a blessing to your family too. In addition to partnering with local churches in the New York area, Chosen People Ministries is ready and available to speak at your church or missions conference. And we offer a variety of presentations on topics such as Jewish evangelism, the Jewish roots of Christianity, Messiah in the Old Testament, and so much more. So if you, your church, or your Bible study group is looking for another way to go deeper in your study of the culture, heritage, and history of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, then please request more information today at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. And if you're not looking for a specific study topic, but you just want to let us know you're listening to this program, we'd love to hear from you. Just connect with us today at chosenpeople.com radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thanks so much for joining us today. The holidays are a great time to reflect on what God is doing in our lives and what he's already done for us. And when you reach out and say hi to us this month, we'll send you a free booklet called The Gospel According to Hanukkah. This powerful presentation on the Feast of Dedication is designed to help you better understand this eight-day Jewish celebration, which commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem during the second century BC. Hanukkah is not mentioned in the Hebrew Bible, but it is mentioned in the New Testament in John 10:22. And we know that Jesus himself celebrated this wonderful holiday. And it's a great way to see the gospel through Jewish eyes during this time of the year. This book explains why Jesus is Hanukkah's true hero. And if you'd like to learn more about the holiday and other biblically appointed feasts, visit us at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or order the booklet, The Gospel According to Hanukkah. Call us at 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A, the Hebrew name for Jesus. Or write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.
you will find it everywhere in sermons, political speeches, and even self-help messages. All these forms of communication often refer to the Bible. In each case, the speaker claims to have the right interpretation of Scripture. With so many voices bombarding us, how do we evaluate what is true? We want everyone to have the chance to study God's Word in depth. That is why we have created the Chosen People Bible Institute, an online certification program from a Messianic Jewish perspective. When you take a class with the Chosen People Bible Institute, you will become better equipped to understand Scripture through Jewish eyes and apply it to your daily life. Whether you are a new believer or have studied God's Word for years, the Chosen People Bible Institute is for you. Scholars in Messianic Jewish studies will guide you through fascinating topics, including the life and legacy of the Apostle Paul, Nazarenes, the first Messianic Jews, and Jewish evangelism. Are you ready to transform your walk with Yeshua and see scripture like never before? Sign up today 